it's your girl Rebecca and Lily and you're listening to that was really good for a zoom episode Lil I feel like I'm back in March like oh my god please don't send us back to March this is just for today because we just couldn't get on the same schedule but it's fine we're gonna have an awesome episode and everything's gonna be all good exactly so Rebecca do you want to tell them what we're talking about this week I would be honored Lily so I I do have to say though this was Lily's idea and I should probably shut off my phone from random notifications um (laughs) but this was Lily's idea and this week we are going to be talking about the Loch Ness Monster so this is such a good idea I don't know why we have I don't even think we've thought about talking about this topic Right, like not even in our, because um, I was reading the Wikipedia article and, you know, they were talking like, they were like, yeah, like the Loch Ness Monster is a cryptid. And I was like, yeah, didn't we do an episode on various cryptids with um, Matt from Moth Boys? And like, yeah. we just like didn't even, also shout out, follow and listen to Moth Boys podcast. But um, yeah, like, didn't we, like, and we just like skipped over that one. We just, I guess. It just was our spirit guide saying it's not the time. Yeah. Time. And then 2021 hit and they're like, it's motherfucking Loch Ness time, bitches. Get that. Honestly, I don't, I, after 2020 and the first, what, two or two weeks of 2021, I don't blame Nessie for staying in the water. (laughs) Nessie's like... Y'all don't know what's about to come, but I'm just chilling here, minding my own business. I'm self-isolating. Yeah, Nessie's just been self-isolating for <laughs> hundreds of thousands of years. There's like the t-shirts that we sell in Tee Public. Uh, one of the prints, it says, um, it says, social distancing champ, and it's the Bigfoot. Yes. This has Bigfoot beat by a mile. Tee Public, that website sounds familiar. Are we, do we have? Why, why am I associating that with us, Rebecca? I swear it's like we have our logo merch on there. We do. What do I search? Um, if you go to tpublic.com, I'm pretty sure you type in just Ghoulie Things podcast and like a, our merch store comes up and you can buy like a bunch of spooky kooky shit on there. We've got tote bags, we've got masks, we've got t-shirts, we've got sweatshirts, we've got crew necks. It's actually funny. I was messaging, so Ashlyn, for those of you who follow us on Instagram, Just Blue Things Podcast, we're getting all the plugs in early today. Yeah. Um, Ashlyn uploaded and we shared her post to her of her story on our story of her in her Ghoulie Things t-shirt. And she got what I have. And do you have this, the Tri-Blend cotton t-shirt? I don't, but Mike got it. And it's so it's soft. It's so soft. And I said, I DM'd her personally on my page. I was like, Ashlyn, it is. I was like, I love this. She goes, it's the softest shirt I own. And I said, me too. And let me tell you something. That's why I leave this shit to Rebecca. Because if I picked where we got the t-shirts, they would crumble upon being touched and feel like sandpaper. (laughs) This is why Rebecca does that. Like, if you (laughs) honestly, like all, all the merch stuff, that's all Rebecca. Because with me, I'd be like, it would, it would not end well. So Lily, anyway. I have to admit though, those stickers that you got us when we first started the podcast are pretty fire. I've still got some. I still so, got too. 
I love right? <laughs> My dad just put a fresh one on one of his uh, reusable water bottles. I'm looking at it right now. Amazing. What a great supporter. I love Mike. Uh, can we just discuss also the we're never getting another dog. We're never getting another dog. And now his whole Instagram is, is the dog. <laughs> his Avon Barksdale, a.k.a. Faith. all right so anyways so we went from being like just ghoulie things to the hsn shopping network back to just ghoulie things so let's try to stay on the just ghoulie things track for today let's try real quick though i'm i am settling down (gasps) oh the diet coke i got my black coffee how funny is it when we did the who's who, most people thought that you were the Diet Coke fanatic. I know. I felt very disrespected. I was like, <laughs> what is this? Me too. I'm like, my pride and joy. And <laughs> tell me how my mom got stuff wrong about us. I was looking at that. I was like, do you not know like who I am? Like I've only, I was only in your womb for nine months and I've been with you for 24 years. <laughs> The best was, I just slipped. I messed up on a couple. I'm sorry. <laughs> the best was my dad. I was at my parents' house. <laughs> I think either the night of or the night after. My dad comes downstairs. He goes, was Rebecca really on a Zoom call with Polly D? <laughs> Honestly, I forgot that I was on a Zoom call with Polly D. You know more about me than I do, Lil. I was tapping through the old ones to make sure we didn't repeat. And I was like, oh shit, that's right about me. Oh shit, that's right about Rebecca. <laughs> okay. So into the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. This week, Rebecca and I really reversed roles because I did the history. Mm-hmm. And kind of like some theories and everything. And it actually started really interestingly. So let's just start off. The Loch Ness Monster is not only famed for being one of the first pieces of dialogue in the 2004 hit motion picture, Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) It is also a large marine creature believed by some to inhabit Loch Ness in Scotland. I love the Napoleon Dynamite reference for you. Favorite movie. So the reason that I actually thought of this was I was reflecting on a conversation I had with I think a coworker about my love for Napoleon Dynamite and how I know almost every line. And he goes, oh yeah? So you could just name any line. And I'm like, yeah, like if you start when I'll finish it. He goes, what's the fourth line of dialogue in Napoleon Dynamite? And I sat for a second and I was like, it's his, him presenting his current event about the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> Is it actually though? Yeah, and I have the quote here. So the first line is, of course, what are you going to do today, Napoleon? And he goes, whatever I feel like I want to do. Gosh, right? (laughs) Iconic. The cultural reset nobody talks about. (laughs) Then, (laughs) Rebecca's dying right now. Then the next line, there's like a bit of a montage of him going to school, getting beat up, everything, whatever. He sits down in class. He has his trapper keeper. And he's like drawing like the farting unicorns and everything. And the teacher says, your current event, Napoleon. And he's like, huh? And she says, you know, like your current event. He gets up and says, and I quote, last week, Japanese scientists displaced, placed explosive detonators at the bottom of Lake Loch Ness to blow Nessie out of the water. 
Sir Godfrey of the Nessie Alliance summoned the help of Scotland's local wizards to cast the protective spell over the lake and its local residents and all of those who seek for peaceful existence of our underwater ally. <laughs> so that's why you use that for your sound test. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense now. Yeah, it's at the top of my document. And I don't remember that. So now I have to rewatch it. It's great. Yeah, he it's, he like it's it's a great detail because like he goes to say placed explosives, but he mixes it up and says explaced and he stops and like does like the mouth breathe inhale. <laughs> oh, that's such a good movie. It I God, I watched it. I had it like bought it on iTunes on my old phone and now I have a new iCloud, so I lost it. Uh-huh. Cult classic. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. If you, you think it's overrated, movie. you're wrong. Do you know that movie was originally like a college project for him and it wasn't meant to be like what it ended up becoming? I've seen the college project. It's called Palooka. Is it actually? Which is the Spanish word for wig. And it is a short film basically about Pedro shaving his hair and then going to buy the wig. It's like 15 minutes long. I believe it's black and white. No. Yeah. And it was like the director's, I believe like, yeah, yeah. It was the director's like college film and he wrote Napoleon Dynamite around it. Shut up. And the high school that he went to, pre Prince, some of the P, right? Like Princeton or Priestville or pe, pe, pre, Preston. Preston High. Right, that high school is where the director went, and in the library of that high school is the director's yearbook. And they say, like, where do you see yourself? And he, where do you see yourself in like 20 years, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I see myself being a famous director. And that yearbook is in the building of the high school where they filmed. Oh my god, my heart. That gives me chills. I love that. That's like and that's inspiring, right? So inspiring. Yeah, Preston Junior High or Preston High. Anyways, that's amazing. So now we're just like Criterion as well. <laughs> we we went from ghouly things to HSN to ghouly things to film critics. So the Loch Ness monster, also known as Nessie is a large marine creature believed to inhabit Lake Loch Ness. So I don't know where, like, the nest comes from, but I'm pretty sure Loch is Scottish for lake. Lake Loch makes sense. Mm -hmm. However, much of the alleged evidence supporting its existence has been discredited, and it is widely thought that the monster is a myth. Reports of a monster inhabiting, I almost said inhabitating, (laughs) <laughs> Inhabiting Loch Ness date back to ancient times, notably local stone carvings by the Pict, Pete, P-I-C-T. I should really like, I read this stuff. I should really look up the words that I don't know beforehand, but I guess that adds to our appeal. It depicts a mysterious beast with flippers. The first written account appears in a biography of St. Columba from five. The year 565. Like the year. The year. Not even like BC, like way, way back. This is like 565 AD. The fact that's even an actual year, like they're actually when things happening is wild to me. Right? So 
According to that work, the monster in the lake bit a swimmer and was prepared to attack another man when Columba intervened, ordering the beast to, quote, go back. It obeyed, and over the centuries, only occasional sightings were reported. Many of these alleged encounters seem to be inspired by Scottish folklore, which abounds with mythical water creatures. In 1933, the Loch Ness Monster's legend began to grow. At the time, a road adjacent to Loch Ness was finished, offering an unobstructed view of the lake. In April, a couple, a couple, sorry, in April, a couple saw an enormous animal, which they compared to, quote, a dragon or prehistoric monster. And after it crossed their car's path, it disappeared into the water. The incident was reported in the Scottish newspaper and numerous sightings followed. So this is interesting because you have like the total bandwagon going on. Mm-hmm. Right. You have the people who probably are credible sources saying, dude, like I saw some crazy shit at Loch Ness, too. I didn't want people to think I was crazy. So I didn't say anything mm-hmm. until like this couple made this big statement. But then you also have the people like, oh, yeah, totally saw it, too. I was there. It had flippers. It was a monster. Like you know, there's people that you tell them that you got hit by a car and they're like, oh, well, I got hit by a bus. It's like, dude. Exactly. Like, right. Like, yeah, I, it's funny. I was talking, um, with a friend of mine about just like self-confidence and everything. And she started like competing with me for who felt like for who had lower self-esteem. And I'm like, flex, but okay. Right. I, I'm sitting there. I'm talking to her. I'm like, I was, we're just like venting to each other. So she's like, yeah, well, you know, I, well, I'm like, girl, why are you competing? Oh, that's like my brother and I, when we were younger, like arguing over who was going to eat less toast or strudel. Mm-hmm. Like Rebecca, you don't have a sibling, but this is shit siblings argue about. <gasps> my mom bought us both a box of toaster strudel and we were in the car on the way to my cousin's and my brother and I are in the back. he's like, well, Lily's going to eat all her toaster strudel right away. I was like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to eat all the fucking frosting and then eat it plain like a weirdo. And he's like, oh, well, well I remember this fight. And my mom's like, hold up. <laughs> we have a 40 minute car ride and y'all really going to spend it arguing over who is going to eat less toaster strudel. <laughs> I love that. So if you ever are like, oh, only child problems, just realize that's how your childhood could have been spent. (laughs) Just saying. But I digress. In December 1933, the Daily Mail commissioned Marmaduke Wetherill, (laughs) an actual person, a big game hunter, to locate the sea serpent. Along the lake's shores, he found large footprints that he believed to to belong to, quote, a very powerful, soft-footed animal about 20 feet or 6 meters long. However, upon closer inspection, zoologists at the National History Museum determined the tracks were identical and made with an umbrella stand or ashtray that had a hippopotamus leg as a base. Wetherill's role in the hoax was unclear. So I was watching also, of course, the YouTube conspiracy theory videos. Mm Mm-hmm. And I found, I believe it was, it was around the same time. It was in the 30s or 40s that an animal either washed ashore or someone was in Loch Ness fishing. 
and found what appeared to be like a four foot long. I'll see if I can find the video. There were a bunch. I'm not sure which one it was. Like a four foot long animal that had long been extinct, they believed. And they were saying in the video, listen, is the Loch Ness Monster really a monster or is it just an undocumented species, which went extinct, you know, and comes back? And they were like, speak, you know, that does sound unlikely, but here's this animal that was, or no, 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 no. It wasn't found in Loch Ness. It was in Africa. Sorry. Okay. I was really hyping this up in my mind. So they were saying it, you know, there is the possibility of it being, you know, what was believed to be an extinct species, but there's still a couple lying around. And they said around the same time in like 34 or 37, I think, off the coast of South Africa, there was this like sea animal, right? Like the sea monster found with fins, like four fins. And of course, all the footage is like really poor quality, So you can't really see a lot about it, but it's like newsreel footage. And it was what they believed, an animal, I don't remember the name, that they believed was instinct for like millions of years. And they found another. So this kind of brings the possibility of maybe it's not a monster. It's a creature, which we thought was, you know, maybe has had evolved from something that was like something evolved the basis went instinct and now we have this, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's only one or two. And by now that one or two is extinct, which is why like maybe we don't see it. Yeah. But also there's the possibility of it being a supernatural cryptid. It could be. I, I feel like we talked about this on the show recently, but the concept of the ocean is actually horrifying because- Yeah, we, yeah, we just touched upon so that. It's deep. Isn't it like 98% undiscovered or something like that? Um, Some ridiculously large percentage that shouldn't be that large of a percentage, but it is. (laughs) Like it is. Yeah. Like that concept scares the shit out of me. And I think like, like drowning is one of my biggest fears. I know how to swim, but like getting caught in one of those riptides or. Oh yeah. That whole idea or like, uh, have you ever seen that movie? I think it's called 47 meters down. Or something. I started it and I did not finish that film, Rebecca. If you have anxiety, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> I, I'm out. You, I was fidgeting the whole time. Like my leg was tapping. I was like, I like, I was so anxious the whole movie. I'm like, why am I putting myself through this? But it was so entertaining that I kept watching it. And it was a good mm-hmm. movie, but it just really, it really brings true to like the whole fear of we don't know what's in the deep depth of our earth. Exactly. Like the root of the planet, we don't know about it. No idea. No idea. So like you think about it, mermaids, Atlantica. I was watching The Little Mermaid and The Little Mermaid 2 the other day. So quite quite plausible. Um, So yeah, so this guy says, he comes out and says, listen, I saw something on the shore. Look at these footsteps. Mm-hmm. And they don't know if it was someone else, you know, placing them there because they knew or if he did them himself just for notoriety. Okay. So the news only seemed to spur efforts to prove to further prove the monster's existence. In 1934, English physician Robert Kenneth Wilson photographed the alleged creature, the iconic image known as 
the surgeon's photograph, which is the one we've all seen, right? It's like kind of the water's a little ripply. You've got the long, almost like a, yeah. I believe, brontosaurus neck sticking mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. right? So it appeared to show the monster's small head and neck. The Daily Mail printed the photograph, sparking an international sensation. Many skept- many speculated that the creature was a plesiosaur, a marine reptile that went extinct some 65.5 million years ago. And in another video I watched, they said that there was something like this, probably the plesiosaur, plesiosaur, whatever, um, but it did go extinct with all the other dinosaurs. There wasn't like just one dinosaur that stuck around. And even if there was, it either would have grown exponentially mm-hmm. or have mutated from the inbreeding, right? Like there were exactly two left. Like it, it wouldn't be the same, yeah. which I also thought was interesting. So the Loch Ness area attracted numerous monster hunters. Over the years, several sonar explorations, notably in 1987 and in 2003, were undertaken to locate this creature, but none were successful. In addition, numerous photographs allegedly showed the beast, but most were discredited as fakes or just depicting other animals or objects. And notably, in 1994, it was revealed that Wilson's photograph was a hoax spearheaded by a revenge-seeking Weatherall, the monster was actually a plastic and wooden head attached to a toy submarine. (laughs) Okay. This guy really just didn't know about Photoshop and did his own thing, which I I respect. Yeah, he just went for it. Yeah, I mean, and it does kind of make you think of, do you remember... Katy Perry, the one that got away. The music video or like the song? The music video with the, it's like the 1940s and her boyfriend's at war. Or is it the one that got away or it's something like that? Um, And it's the guy from Kyle XY in the video. Oh my gosh, yes. I don't know what music video that's for. I know it's Katy Perry. Yeah. I don't know what song that was for. I saw something, um, I'm in a bunch of just like bullshit Facebook groups and one of them is like, you can't lie on the internet. And it was like, a 40-year-old woman, or not, like, older than that, like, a 50-, 60-year-old woman who post, who had shared a post. And this kind of goes back to last week's episode on conspiracy theories and how easy it is to just make one up and have people follow. And it was a shot from the photo, the fake old photograph in that music video and someone had written this whole paragraph of how handsome was my grandfather. He went to war. My mother kept this photo for ages, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Rebecca's dying right now. you guys. And this woman was like, how sweet is this? And it just goes to show you that like, even in modern days, you can fake old photographs. So really at this point, you know, who knows what is and is incredible. You, you'd have to carbon date the photograph and see. And even at that, clearly we can't trust old photographs because of, what was it, the toy submarine with a plastic and wooden head? Yeah. Hello. So in 2018, researchers conducted a DNA survey of Loch Ness to determine what organisms live in the waters. No signs of a plesiosaur or other such large animal were found, though the results indicated the presence of numerous eels. Hmm. This finding left open the possibility that the monster is an oversized eel. Despite the lack of conclusive evidence, the Loch Ness Monster remained popular 
and profitable. In the early 21st century, it was thought that it contributed nearly $80 million annually to Scotland's economy. Wow. Which is bananas because we're not even halfway through the 21st century. That's, it's nuts. Right? So now you start thinking, looking back at this history, was it even made up? You know, not to be a skeptic, but, you know, was it, was it ever even real? Or was Scotland like, hey, we don't got a lot going on. We've got kilts and bagpipes. Let's throw a cryptid into the mix. I mean, that would be some great marketing. That would be a right. Great and like, it's possible that what was it? Five the year five sixty five or five eighty five? There was just some type of eel that hadn't been documented. Yeah, and and like we have talked about with mythology back then, people wanted explanations for everything, and because there really wasn't science to back up anything, they made stories behind it. So maybe what they saw in the five hundreds. That was just, they made up this elaborate story to give people an explanation to what they were seeing. Exactly. So this leads us to fakes and hoaxes. So here are a few stories of admitted fakes and forgeries associated with the monster. So first, of course, we have the props and models. There have been several TV films, shows, and commercials featuring the Loch Ness Monster, which were made over the years. For one of these commercials in the 1990s, there was a Nessie model towed by a submarine past a local pub. <laughs> the extras invited locals and knew this was a fake. But then a couple of buses of unsuspecting tourists turned up and began snapping photos, which, by the way, brilliant idea for these extras. Like, they're not getting paid. They're just doing this. And the they're like, you know what? Let's make it worthwhile. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, Let's bring some entertainment for us being in entertainment. I like the quid pro quo. So some of these props have found their way to the bottom of Loch Ness. And one prop actually found itself used later to stage a completely different hoax. What? I love no waste. I do love that. I do love that. I love that for our environment. (laughs) Right? Um. Next, we have a hoax titled The Local Boat Captain. A prop Nessie hump from a documentary was recycled to fake a monster sighting photograph by local tour boat skipper George Edwards. He called the 2013 stunt, quote, a bit of fun. (laughs) I love the going read initiative from Scotland. You go, Scotland. (laughs) Well, Scotland, talk about going green. Hey. Hey. Next, again, we have just a reiteration of the big game hunter and the umbrella stand. Mm -hmm. So in the 30s, monster fever was at its peak. And this article just kind of goes back into that. And then, of course, we have, again, the surgeon's photo. And this one goes a little more in depth. So when people think of the Loch Ness Monster, there is one photo which is iconic. That grainy image is known as the surgeon's photo because it was supposedly snapped by a surgeon, Robert Wilson, in 1934. For the next 60 years, it was the classic monster photo used everywhere. And I don't know about you, but when I hear Loch Ness Monster, I picture that photo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is still a great legacy to leave. Like, even though it was fake, you've left this pop culture impact on the go-to photo. It's like the... There's a photo you got. 
It's like, um, what is it? The Marine kissing the nurse in Times Square? Yeah. Or a Navy, Which, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Some person, <laughs> some someone in like the army, you know, when, what was it? They announced the end of World War II and the guy like just grabbed them. Or something, yeah. Yeah, I think it was when... Like the war was over or the U.S. withdrew. I don't know. I love history, but I don't remember that much. Um, but I believe it was like they announced the end of it. And everyone in Times Square, you know, was like, woo. And this soldier, Marine, Navy guy, sailor. It was a sailor. Yeah. Sailor kissed the nurse and someone just snapped the picture. I know they were trying to like get the two back together to like recreate that photo. I think or, like, they did. Did they end up doing that? I don't. I think feel like I feel like they did, but don't take my word for it because my brain scattered eighty percent of the time. So, but I I feel like that was a thing. I, and if not, there was definitely like a campaign, like a Facebook thing, to get it going and advertise to have the people, whatever. Yeah. So this guy left a similar legacy of mm-hmm. that photograph that you think of that everyone talks about 1000 percent, right so let's see where did i leave off however in 1994 a man by the name of christian sperling made a deathbed confession he had made the model used to fake the photo Mm -hmm. things got even more interesting sperling's stepfather was the disgraced marmaduke weatherall who had conduct concocted the whole plan to exact revenge from his earlier umbrella stand hoax, allegedly. Robert Wilson was the front man because the fraudsters believed a surgeon would be taken seriously, and it almost worked. Which, again, is interesting because we were talking, um, again, about the, on our episode last week, I was talking about that guy who's on Shop HQ, who's a doctor, and he promotes, like, like at-home COVID tests, masks, these healthcare things, but in reality, he's a plastic surgeon. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. And he has the title doctor and he wears his little white coat and says, this is great for you, buy this. But in reality, it's not his practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This reminds me of that. Well, I'm a surgeon. I know science. Bleep, blorp, bloop. This is the Loch Ness Monster. And everyone's like, well, he knows what he's talking about. Fucking Marmaduke. Yeah, fucking Marmaduke Weatherall really be wildin'. That's the comics, bro. Yeah. So anyways, um, that's kind of my history and background that I gathered on the Loch Ness Monster. There's definitely, there was a lot more to it than I thought. Oh, I love it. Yeah, you did some great research, Lily. There was a lot more than I, that I didn't even know of. Right. I, and I do credit a lot of this also to YouTube. Shout out to YouTube videos for teaching me about kind of the history and I do think it's interesting that, you know, as Loch Ness is at its peak with this photograph, you know, they find this thing washed up ashore, you know, that could be similar. So, yeah. 100%, you know, after my research, I feel like it's kind of a 50-50 shot. Just like I don't know about you, but I feel like with all cryptids like Mothman, um, Bigfoot, you know, all those things, I kind of am 50-50 on it because for every, you know, reasonable explanation, there's someone telling a lie. Yeah. So, Rebecca, read us some experiences and 
you know, all the stuff you gathered and let's see where we end up. Okay. So before I go into the eyewitness accounts that I found online, I kind of want to piggyback off of one of the people that did research that you talked about, which I'm happy mm-hmm. you brought up. Uh, and this is the Loch Ness Hunters that uh, conducted research in 2018. So okay. I, during my research, I found their information and I thought it was very interesting because they didn't come up with any conclusive evidence on Loch Ness Monster itself, but the idea that this could be a, a type of eel in the water, I thought was mm-hmm. very interesting. So I found their website, which if you guys want to check it out, it's called LochNessHunters.com. And there was a bunch of people that were a part of this research, and that includes Neil Gemmel, Michael Mapp, Gert Jan, uh, Gert Jan Juanen, Diane Gleason, Adrian Schein, Tom Gilbert, Christine Bowman, Pierre Taberlet, Beth Shapiro, Eric Verspor, Lucio Marcello, Lori Lawson Hanley, Bernd Hompling, Christina DeMori, and Jennifer Liu. So... Um, so it actually starts off, their research began in June 2018, and Neil Gemmel boarded the deep scan with colleagues from the University of Otago, the Loch Ness Project, the University of Copenhagen, the University of Hull, and the University of the Highlands and Islands. The small boat is the research vessel for the Loch Ness Project. The team traveled the length of the loch, taking late water samples at three different depths as far as 200 meters, and their days started at 6 a.m. and finished as late as midnight. Yeah, this process was as hard on equipment as it was on the scientists. Two of their sampling devices were broken during the process, and this didn't stop the sampling. And by the time testing was completed, more than 250 samples were taken. Uh, I already like these people because they're devoted, right? It's not (laughs) just we went down to the lake for a day and found, you know, a fin. You know what I mean? Like these people are devoted and also they seem credible already because there's a lot of them. Yeah, and they're coming from universities that have been studying this before. It wasn't like last week. They're like, oh, let's try to conduct some research on the Loch Ness, uh, on the the lake. Yeah, I've been hanging out in my mom's basement, reading Reddit and 4chan. You know, I'm going to... I'm going to take a little tube to my friend who's studying poli sci. Mm-hmm. And on top of their research, so the team also took samples at nearby Loch Scary, Oich, and Morar to establish a control. So I to kind like of have it. There. Yes. What's it called? The control and the... You're asking the wrong bitch. Um, you've got, in, sci- in science, when you do an experiment, you've got the control. controlled and then... Fuck, I don't remember this. Sorry, Miss Desai, you're going to kill me for not remembering this from sophomore year chemistry. Love you. But, oh, oh my God, I don't remember. But it's controlling something else. I do know that. Yeah. Whatever. I think I got, like, a B in that class. Um, so oh, yeah, I straight up only took three years of science because it's all I needed in high school. Same, 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 <laughs> same. Okay. So all the samples from the forelock were recoded to mask their source from the labs performing the analysis. And then, so from June and July 2018, the DNA was extracted from the samples at the University of Hull. From there, they went to the laboratory um, in Grenoble for metabarcoding. And this part of the process effectively targeted the specific sequences and the samples from which the team would describe the life in the lock from bacteria to vertebrates. So... Then in August 2018, the team then drove the samples to Geneva, Switzerland for the next generation gene sequencing. And Swiss, the Swiss are known for being neutral. 
<laughs> Being neutral on their research. <laughs> they're a bit of skeptics and they're also believers. Um, so then between September 2018 to June 19, over this 10-month period, six teams from all around the globe, the ones that I've talked about, worked independently of, of each other and blind to the details of the samples they are analyzing to determine what could be found in the samples collected in the highlands. Like they did not want any sort of bias. They didn't want any sort of influence from one another. So everyone conducted their own research uh, from these samples. So Let's talk about the science behind this research, which I think a lot of you guys would find very interesting. So the search of Loch Ness is about so much more than the mysterious water monsters. It's actually about cutting edge science, which will make a real difference in how we monitor and protect the world's increasingly fragile ecosystems. So Ooh. DNA sequencing technology, first developed for the Human Genome Project, finds a new use to test the surrounding environment to find out what lives there. The Supernatural History Loch Ness Project and others around the world are using the messy nature of living things to analyze them in a way that is accurate and does no harm. This DNA could be used to identify the creature. For example, samples of DNA found in glacier samples at other sites identified the presence of woolly mammoths hundreds and thousands of years ago. And this Ooh. is all thanks to what we call environmental DNA, which is eDNA. So if you're asking at this point what eDNA is, um, pretty much living creatures, mode. <laughs> living creatures leave little bits of themselves behind wherever they go, regardless. The fur they leave behind, the skills or scales they drop off, feces, the urine, even the drool has copies of their DNA. And this DNA is different for every species living today or that has lived in the past. These DNA remnants can be found in the air, soil, ice, and water. And now scientists can sift out the individual species DNA from samples taken of these environments. And in some conditions like glacial ice, this DNA can last for thousands of years. And in other environments, such as the ocean, the DNA lasts for only a week. But by sorting out the DNA in a sample, we can get a snapshot of all the creatures in the area at a moment in time. So Whoa. I'm gonna quickly go through the process of how this eDNA is collected and analyzed during the search of the Loch Ness. So one, all organisms in and around the water leave behind DNA traces. Two, water samples are taken from the loch. Three, the samples are sent to the lab for analysis. Four, the DNA is extracted. Five, DNA is sequenced using technology originally created for human gen genome project. Six, the DNA results compared against database of existing DNA markers for known species. Seven, list that um, is made through the system ends up showing things that are native, introduced, invasive, and any unexpected results. So it's just pretty much like an organized, in a way, Excel sheet of just everything that was recorded to be there, is there presently, and also things that they just didn't have in their system already. So it kind of okay. keeps, it keeps an organized way of like what's going on in our environment and kind of the time frame of where these animals are existing and I love modern science I love it too I love I mean, it too. I don't like learning about it but like in textbooks and stuff but I love hearing about it I love that other people do the hard work for us so that I can just read like simple stupid research articles that exactly. like dumb it down from me exactly oh wow that tissue just went flying exactly <laughs> right just throw it on a podcast and I'm good to go like just Googling things? Okay. So um, so I have a couple, 
<laughs> Never heard of her. Um, so I have a couple of eyewitness encounters that I did find as well, just to wrap up this episode. So the first one is titled, I saw it and nothing can take that away. So, well, we're talking about an incident that happened approximately 32 years ago, almost to the very day, midsummer in June, 1965. I, along with a friend, was on the south shore of Loch Ness fishing for brown trout, looking almost directly into the your court bay. When I saw something break the surface of the water, I glanced there and I saw it and then it wasn't there. It had disappeared. But while watching, keeping an eye and fishing gently, I saw an object surface. It was a large black object, a whale-like object going from infinity up and come round onto a block end. And it submerged to reappear a matter of seconds later. But on this occasion, the block end, which had been on my right, was now on my left, so I realized immediately that while in the process of, re of surfacing, as it may, it had rotated. And with the predominant winds, the southwest winds, it appeared to be, I would say, at that stage, driftly easily across. So I called to my friend, Willie Frazier, who incidentally had a sighting of an object on the lock almost a year ago to the very day. I called him and he came up and joined me. We realized that it was drifting towards us. And in fact, it came to within, I would say, about... 250 to 300 yards. Oh, hell no. Super close. So in no way am I even attempting to convert anybody to the religion of the object of the Loch Ness. I mean, they can believe it, but it doesn't upset me if they don't believe it. Because I would question very much if I hadn't had the extraordinary experience of seeing this object. If I hadn't seen it, I would have, without a question, given a lot of skepticism to what it was. But I saw it, and nothing can take that away. So... I this is from Ian, Cam uh, Ian Cameron, and he's a retired superintendent of the Northern Police Force who lives with his wife, Jessie, in Inverness, Scotland, at the head of the lock. Uh, yeah, so he, and he is on the water a lot, and this is the one and only time he's ever experienced this type of phenomenon. So for him to tell the story, to say, look, I don't expect you guys to believe it because I wouldn't believe it if I wasn't the one to see it myself. I believe gives him a lot of credibility to his experience. I, I was thinking that too. And I was thinking it's a good position to have, you know, and we, we hear it more often than not of, you know, if you don't believe me, that's fine. Just don't be a dick about it. Retweet, retweet. <laughs> so then my next experience is titled, this is so European. I love it. I'm gobsmacked. I just didn't know what it was. And this not is- <laughs> This is from Richard White. Right, I'm driving along the lock side, glancing out the window. You can see the rock formation. I was just down the road there. It just rises. I saw this boiling in the water. I thought, no, it can't be anything. And I carried a wee bit. Then I looked again and I saw three black humps. I mean, you know, there's a chance I've seen something in the water, but what is it? So I'm gobsmacked. I'm looking out the window. I just didn't know what it was. Then the people came behind me and they obviously wanted me to move, but I didn't want to lose sight of this thing. So I pulled over to the side, grabbed my camera, and I thought it was being very cool and very nonchalant and just took two or three photos. And in fact, as I say, I had taken nine or 10 without realizing I just punched the button. It was just a pity. It was a small camera. Nova, who's one of the people there. Did anybody else see anything? White. Yeah. The other two people who were there, I was just so excited. I didn't get their name or address or anything. They saw it exactly the same as me because the wee wifey who had been a lady in her fifties on holiday, she was Scottish. She said to me, 
I've not been in this bar this morning. And her husband said, ah, it's an eel, it's an eel. And I said, there's no eels that big. And he said, ah, it's otters. And I said, you don't get otters swimming out like that. (laughs) I saw what I saw and I'm not to be dissuaded. It wasn't just an imagination. I'm a sane guy and I've got no ax to grind. As I say, I What does know, that even mean? I, I guess he says I have nothing to gain from this pretty much. Okay. And he just is saying like, yeah, this is my experience. Um, he goes, he's pretty, he just says, I sell pet food. Like this literally adds nothing to my career for me coming out with this story. So, oh. uh, so yeah, he goes, unless I can invent a food from this experience called, I don't know, monster munchies. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I'd buy it. I know you'd buy it for Loki. I'd oh, buy it for Faith. So then the um so then the last story I'm gonna read for today is from a woman named Val Maffei. And the title of her experience, uh, I feel very strongly is when I got home, I thought I need a strong drink. <laughs> yeah, relatable. I feel you, Valley Girl. So um, well, the day that I saw the monster, it was the end of September 1990, and I was driving back from Ivernus. I came up the hill where we came in sight with the bay, glanced out across it, and saw this large lump is the best way to describe it, kind of like this other guy. The nearest I can tell you is it looked like a boat that had turned upside down, pretty much like that one out there, actually, same sort of size. So this is what she's saying to the reporter. If you took that boat and put it in the entrance of the bay, which is where I saw the monster, that's the size of it, about 30 feet in length and nearly 10 feet in height from the water to the top of the back. It was a bright sunny day, the water was bright blue, and it really showed up against it. It was a mixture of browns, greens, sludgy sort of colors. I looked at it on and off for a few seconds because I was driving. Must have seen it three or four times, and the last I looked, it was gone. So I actually want to backtrack. When I said the person, Nova, who is a part of this experience, like they're asking questions. This is the reporter of the person at pbs.org that did this little write-up. I think I said that they were there. I meant like they were like interviewing the person. So I just wanted to make sure I got that clear. So Nova, who's the reporter goes, what did you think? What went through your mind at the time? And Maffei says, well, I thought to myself, oh, there's Nessie. About time I saw it. It's been living here a year. Oh, I've been living here a year. And that's then, so <laughs> casual, right? That's like moving to New York and being like, it's about time, you know, like a crackhead slapped me on the ass and it called me good boy. Like, yeah, yeah about time shit like that happens. <laughs> and then something in the back of my head sort of said, that's not just Nessie. That's got to be the Loch Ness Monster that everybody has spent thousands of pounds searching for. And you're looking at the darn thing. I nearly rode off the road, but luckily I didn't because we had a fairly new car. Can you imagine what the insurance claim would have been like? <laughs> so then that's when Nova said, what happened when you got home? And she continued, when I got home, I thought, I need a strong drink. But there was none in the house. So I thought, right, strong coffee will do then. <laughs> and that is, um, and there's a couple of more experiences. If you want to check them out, I'll put them on our private Facebook group, the specific article that I'm reading from. So you can like our private Facebook group at Just Cooly Things Podcast Group. And I mean, join, don't like it. You can like our Facebook page that's public, but you have to Just Cooly Things Podcast. Yeah, you just have to join our private Facebook group. So that's my bad. My bad for the wrong wording. I feel like Lily will harass me if I don't correct that. So. I, I was thinking when you said like the page, but I was like, she'll come around. She'll come around. When I, I say group, she'll come around. I always do. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on that note, that concludes this episode of Just Schooly Things. Thank you. Wait, so- really quick. I have a couple oh, questions. 
Let's hear it. Okay. First of all, was there like, did they post like the general consensus from the 2018 study yet? Or are they still? Yeah. You pretty much hit the nail on the head of like what it was. So pretty much they found a lot of new, um, they found a lot of new things uh, that they didn't know were in the water. Okay. Um, But unfortunately they weren't able to find any evidence of a creature that's remotely related to, um, to what people believe is the Loch Ness monster. So they don't think the, the plesiosaur idea holds up based on the data that they found. Okay. Um, But then they tested other predominant theories of various giant fish whether it be a giant catfish or a giant sturgeon, an eel, or even a shark, such as the Greenland shark. But there's no shark DNA in Loch Ness, um, and there also is no catfish DNA. So okay. really the, the remaining theory is that there was, because there was, in fact, a large amount of eel DNA. And okay. there's plenty of eels in Loch Ness. Um, so they believe that this just could be a specific type of eel that they just haven't been able to um really be able to do a lot of research on. So it's like really in the deep depths of the lake. Interesting. Um, so probably sometime soon there will be more stuff because I mean, science is just growing and growing. Yeah. So. I mean, they weren't able to like show from the eels that they were able to get data on. They weren't able to show their size, but the sheer quantity of the material that they found says that they can't discount the possibility that there may be a giant eel in Loch Ness. But okay. that they want to continue their investigation uh, to confirm or deny this theory. So okay. we haven't updated anything, but you can go to LochNessHunters.com and you could probably contact them through that website. Or you could just look at the information yourself on there and see if you can drop any more uh, conclusions on your own. And let us know, like Rebecca said, in Just Cooling Things podcast group. Yeah, for sure. So uh, any other questions, Lil? Um. Well, I want to know where you stand on it. Like, do you think it's, you know, like a supernatural thing or do you think it's a science thing or do you think it's kind of a mix? So it's hard because, you know, I obviously believe in the paranormal, but I am a science-based person too, which kind of, I I feel like a lot of people in the paranormal community are coming around to like, you know, kind of putting paranormal and science hands in hands and like finding a medium. Yeah, I, I agree because I feel like these people who like, you know, like eat, sleep and breathe like paranormal and stuff and are just like super into it like we are like want it so bad to be credible that they will, you know, like debunk anything they can. And I feel like what I fa- like what I found and like from my understanding where you are is like it's 50 50 because for every good set of research, there's, you know, you've got a surge in making a fake photo. Uh huh. I just feel like it's interesting, especially from the Loch Ness Hunters research, from the experiences that I read from PBS of Nova interviewing, there were people that had accounts of a large, black, bumpy sort of creature that really does go with the story of the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. But they haven't been able to find research of what that creature could be. Clearly, people are seeing this thing. Like, clearly, there's something in the water. But there's, they still haven't found out like the size, like they haven't been able to figure out the size of like what this could be. Like they, they can't figure out if it was an eel because they find tons of eel DNA. They can't say it is an eel because they aren't able to figure out the actual size of this eel. Yeah. So uh, 
I don't know. I feel like at this point, if the Loch Ness Monster was real, there would be more physical evidence. But I, I have something. Like, what? Wait, no, continue. But remind <laughs> me that I have a new theory. But I feel like if it is a cryptid where it's something that is supernatural, it has a way to control whether or not you're going to be able to see it or not or be able to get evidence. And I feel like, like we've talked about theories before where these cryptids could possibly have like a portal that they can go through and kind of like mm-hmm. teleport to different universes. So maybe when it's about to get caught, it's able to like teleport itself into another universe. Yeah. Or like swim super fast to the bottom and be like, you will not see me. You saw nothing. So yeah, that's my, that's my theory. Okay. I like it. What about you? So I just, for some reason it hit me, maybe it's cause I just watched, you know, both little mermaid movies maybe it's just, you know, kind of inspired by what you were saying about, you know, kind of it being maybe based on something real with a supernatural power, a paranormal touch. I'm imagining mm-hmm. like way, way, way back, like Stonehenge level history, okay. maybe even further back, some old witch casting an evil spell right like you're you're you know you broke my daughter's heart i cast you into loch ness as a monster for all eternity and that's why it's been around so long that's why it's these records and he's just popping his head up to see what's going on what's Mm -hmm. the latest you know but he's stuck as this large monster eel stuck in this lake for eternity from a spell. Is there a way to break the spell? Is the question. Uh, true love's first kiss. I like it. All right. Let's try to let's try to do some research where we have someone kissing Nessie and see how that goes. <laughs> Imagine. Let's try this theory. You guys are spending right? thousands of dollars. All you've got to do is just have a pair of lips. Yeah. Or Nessie, I guess Nessie could also, when you say Loch Ness Monster, it's weird how like it's kind of instilled in us. Not to get all, like, hippy-dippy, but, like, when you think Loch Ness Monster, you imagine it being male. But when you hear Nessie, you think female. Yeah, that's what I know. Maybe it's just gender neutral. Just chill. I think it's, yeah, I think maybe it's just because, like, you hear Nessie and it just sounds more like a feminine name. Like, you wouldn't hear, you know what I mean? Anyways, the point is, someone cast a spell on someone in, like, the year 300 and was like, listen, the sun, the moon, the stars are aligning tonight. Drink from this goblet, you'll live forever. Psych, you're living forever, but as a large, scary monster in Loch Ness. What in the Disney movie is this? (laughs) Uh, Disney, first of all, cast me as the old witch and Rebecca as the beautiful princess. I want to be the Loch Ness monster, what the fuck? (laughs) Well, good point. Um, Either way, Disney, just bottom line, make us stars because we're not problem. Well, Rebecca's not problematic. So, Lily, you're problematic, but with a funny spice. I think I'm like, I'm problematic, but not by choice. You're, see, it's hard to say because you're not problematic in the fact that, like, you I'm not ignorant. Shit. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not problematic. I'm chaotic. That is the perfect word to describe it. I love that. Exactly. So, but I'm also not like unhinged chaotic. I'm just like, you know, my car the other day on that main road, um, 
that I believe you take to get to work. Okay, yeah. Um, with all the restaurants and stuff, rush hour, I'm driving to work. My car all of a sudden won't go faster than 10 miles an hour without stopping. What happened? I don't know. I pulled over, turned it off for five minutes, turned it back on. I think maybe it's something with the engine, like, because my check engine light, my service engine light was on. So I called my boss. She was like, maybe it's the transmission, whatever. And I was able to drive the rest of the way to work. Whereas Rebecca arrives in like a nice shiny car and I'm stopping and starting. So Disney, pick your poison and the other one will ride the other's coattails. Cast us in this witch movie about the Loch Ness Monster. I love it. That's the bottom line. Those are my final thoughts and gatherings from this episode. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. It's like the meme where he's at the little uh, desk saying, change my mind. Yes, literally, literally. Uh, All right. Well, on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening to Just Ghouling Things. We love all the support. Hope you guys enjoyed this Loch Ness Monster research just as much as we did doing the research. And Lily, are you ready to shout out our socials? I'm going back to old days of putting my mouth right by the mic. So let's do this. Ooh, okay. Get ready, guys, for those wearing headphones. (laughs) I wish people could see this point of view that I'm looking at right now. You can screenshot it for the Instagram page. I'm actually going to, I'm going to take a picture of this right now so I can put it on our Instagram. Because this is what it looks like when I put my head near the mic to talk to you guys. I love it. Okay. (laughs) follow us on instagram at just ghoulie things podcast our personal instagrams at rebecca ruber and at lily baldessari twitter jgt podcast facebook like page just ghoulie things podcast facebook private group just ghoulie things podcast group donate to our patreon just ghoulie things podcast buy our merch at tpublic.com search just ghoulie things podcast And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at thejustgoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye.